Hello, you lovely, barf-covered, probably bedraggled, dressed from the floor robe, undoubtedly tired people. This is a baby sleep podcast for parents by parents, because we know how you feel, knackered. And you would do just about anything, except that, to get your baby to sleep. I'm Kat Cuby, parenting journalist, broadcaster and putter on of socks to a two and a four-year-old. And this is Sarah Carpenter, mum of three and Norland trained baby sleep expert and consultant who has helped thousands of parents get sleep and a wee bit of sanity back. Together, we are the Sleep Mums. Tommy's making really funny noises. (laughs) (laughs) I can't hear it. Uh, <clears throat> I had lentil masaka for dinner, so you know. <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> Sarah and I have written a book together, The Sleep Mums, Read It and Sleep. And now, with this podcast, we hope to help even more parents get a good night's sleep. This week's podcast is about routine, which is a word that can either put the fear of God knows what is in that nappy in you or fill you with the joys of managing to eat your dinner with two hands and cutlery never happens when you've got a newborn. But whichever side of the routine divide you fall on, we're here to tell you that it's all okay. And part of it is really just semantics. So that's the first of our five things, which seems like a pretty good place to start. What is routine? We're calling it a routine, but you can call it a schedule, a guide, what you do on the daily. I mean, very simply, it's a framework which helps to take some of the guesswork out of parenting, of which there is a lot. I mean, people often joke that babies don't come with a manual, but I reckon a good routine is a kind of a close option. So, Sarah, what is a routine? Well, first of all, a routine doesn't need to be scary and it doesn't need to make you feel like you're in prison. It's basically a predictable feeding, eating, and sleeping pattern for you and your baby. You know, you need to be able to fit in to your day what you need as much as you then need to be able to meet your baby's needs. So it's just a framework to follow and it needs to work for you and your family. It can't be a routine that works for baby and doesn't work for anybody else because then you're going to hate it and not get anywhere with it. I think that's often a bit of an issue with some of other baby sleep um, experts and books and things is that they're really really stringent about what the routine should look like but as you say the most important thing is how that fits into the family life that you have and that obviously changes and it changes with subsequent children if you have end up having more than one definitely yep it has to be adaptable to fit things in and you know it, it is important but it's it's only important if it works, if it's working for everybody. But I think also it's important probably to say that a routine is one that's directed by you, not you know, not by your baby. You're not following well, it's a kind of it's like a co-production, I guess. <laughs> Except that you're not sitting down and having a meeting about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're definitely in charge of setting that routine, but y- your focus is meeting your baby's needs. A routine is kind of useful because it can help you to see when something's maybe not working or like you know if your baby's eating's out of whack they're they're having less or you know a change in a routine can also be quite a good indicator either that something's up or I guess just that baby's growing and developing. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll always know when baby is ready to move on to the next stage of a routine because the routine that they're currently following will start to feel like it's not working. So, you know, as with it, everything about babies and children, it is always changing. And you might have had six really smooth weeks and think, wow, this is amazing. We've totally cracked this. And then it'll all go out the window again. Doesn't mean that you've done anything wrong. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with baby. Just means that they are ready for the next routine. Standard, these little children keeping us on our toes. Uh, Yeah, so there are obviously lots of things that you fit into a routine, but as you say, they change quite a lot during that that first year. Yeah, I think it scares people quite a lot how fast moving those first six months can be. Um, You know, you, you have that baby, you get through those first scary few weeks, then you settle into a little bit of a pattern, you think that it's all okay, and then boom, it's time to squeeze a bit of weaning in there or that you're dropping a couple of naps. And, you know, the, the first six months, there are so many big changes. Then you do get a little bit more settled for a few months and then you have another big change again. I think those big changes also feel really daunting as you lead up to them. Maybe it's a bit like those big birthdays. You're like, oh my God, everything's going to change. And it seems terrifying. And then it happens. And usually it's not quite as as dramatic as you think it's going to be. It's important we establish what a routine is. But I also want to talk about what a routine is not. And I guess this is mostly for the people who think a routine sounds terrifying. So that's our second thing. What is not a routine? So a routine is not being trapped in your house all day. A routine is not feeling like you have to do exactly the same thing at the same times every day. And it's not about being alone. I think for a lot of people, that's the scariest thing is that they think if they've got a routine in place, then they're the only people that can do it. So, you know, one parent might feel very much like the responsibility is all on them because it's their routine and that's how they're doing things and it doesn't need to be like that as with everything you know share the load where you can I think you're absolutely right the word routine can give people the heebie-jeebies because it feels like something's going to be really restrictive and you possibly already feel a wee bit restricted by this new life in yours uh, that has changed things a lot but also as you say you know if you have a partner you can have different ideas from a partner about a routine and how strict that routine may or may not be and that can be difficult to manage so as always we you should talk about it and uh, mm-hmm. but and all, um, and if you're the one that kind of digs a routine then don't feel like you are the only one that has to manage it and and also as you say that a routine does not have to be this right really prescriptive clock based thing where you've got your eye on on the clock all the time and you know an ar- army sergeant isn't going to make you do press ups if baby doesn't do something at 7:47 a.m. in the morning and your whole day will be a write off so you know a routine does not mean as you say that you can't have a life mm-hmm. and it also doesn't mean that you can't just be spur of the moment you know if you're following a routine and you get to 11 o'clock in the morning and you're having a crap day doesn't mean that you can't leave the house to go and get a coffee or go for a walk or just clear your head you know it really is as much as a baby can have a crap day you can also have a crap day too so don't be a prisoner we talk a lot about fulfilling babies needs and we're we're going to talk about that even more I guess during this episode in terms of routine 
but also you have to think about your needs as a parent as well it's natural that you'll put your babies first as you should but also you know as you say if you need to get out the house and get a coffee and and you can you can do so with baby and you've got to do these things because you'll go insane if you don't Mm -hmm. definitely you really will Okay, so now we know what a routine is and what it is not. We know that simply a routine is trying to ensure that your baby gets enough sleep and feeds into a day to make life easier for you and to make sure that they are fulfilled. So happily, that brings us to the next important piece of routine pie, what to fit into a routine each day. In the beginning, we look at a 24-hour period because newborns seem to think that life's some kind of open all-hours party. But as they grow, thankfully, their needs can mostly be fulfilled within 12 hours. And for a a lot of people, those 12 hours tend to fall between 6 a.m. and 9 p.m. So, Sarah, what do you need to fit into a day for a routine? So the really important things that you need to fit into your routine are eating, sleeping and activity. There's a lot of flexibility within those three things. You know, some babies are going to be naturally more snacky and they will need to feed more regularly. Um, Other babies will nap slightly less and need a little bit more active time. But you need the backbone for your routine really is just working out your timings between feeds making sure that baby's been active enough and then making sure that baby's ready for nap time and getting those things in. And then the first thing that you're going to do to get your routine, you're going to have a start to your day and an end to your day. And then everything else that you need within that routine will fit in. But you have to decide on your start time and your end time and then stick with that. So maybe we could start at the beginning. We've said first two weeks, it's a free for all. <laughs> Just enjoy your baby. Then as you begin to kind of get used to having your lovely wee one with you, what what could a routine look like? And then how does it change as we go through the first year? So you'd be looking to start your day around about 7, 7.30. Um, and that's regardless of what's happened overnight. So even if you've been up feeding baby at five o'clock in the morning, once you're ready to start your routine, you would then be saying, okay, they've had a feed at five, but we're still going to get up at half past seven again to do another feed. Um, you're then wanting to squeeze in feeds every, you know, in those first six weeks, really, you're looking at um, squeezing in feeds every two and a half to three hours max um, from the point of, waking for the first feed and baby would still be napping in between each feed so there's not going to be a lot of active time your active time at this stage is changing baby's nappy um, interacting a little bit when they are getting their clothes changed they might be happy to sit in a chair or lie on a play mat for a little while and you've got to make sure that at some point in your day you get your five ten minutes of tummy time and that's quite good to do around about bath time so you know get ready for bath pop baby on a nice cozy towel do tummy time into bath and then that's you into your bedtime routine so that's how it starts out but what are the biggest milestones for the changes in routine over the first year so the very first thing that you'll see change is that the feeds will become more spaced apart so you know they will they'll go from the sort of every 
two to two and a half hours, they will become very fixed at the three hour mark. So you will be feeding a lot less as time goes on. The naps also become more defined. You'll have sort of set hours. You'll know when your baby's shown the signs that they are ready for naps. And that's when you'll do your three specific naps. Then you do go through a little bit of a funny phase where you're introducing solids. And that makes it feel like everything's gone a little bit backwards because you've had quite a nice settled time where you've got your feeds, you've got your naps, you've got your start of the day, you've got the end of the day, everything's working. And then boom, we've got to manage to get three meals and two snacks in there as well. So you go back to that feeling of the early days when you've actually got no time in between. And there's often, there's a crossover with the milk feeds as well. So it can feel like you're doing a milk feed and, you know, a solid feed, you know, that it's, it's everything and, and uh-huh. it can feel pretty overwhelming for a parent as <laughs> a first time parent, actually. Definitely. In, any in parent. parent. Because Definitely. it's messy and it's confusing. <laughs> Yeah, you really, you, you go back to that feeling of just thinking that you've got no time to do anything because you're really cramming a lot into your day. So that the last sort of four to six weeks until things start to calm down again. And as you then reduce the milk feeds because of the solids, it means that you've then got those sort of defined spaces again between milk and solids and naps. And then towards the end of the first year, you're really again dropping more of the milk feeds you're on a clear nap times your one of your naps is going to be much much shorter which is also allowing you more time in your day and then around about the sort of 12 to 14 month mark the naps drop right back to one nap a day so all of a sudden you've got way more active time with your little one and again as I say like a lot of these big changes they can feel overwhelming as you lead up to them but then they happen and it can be a bit actually a bit of a relief too yeah it can be because again you're developing with the baby and so what you realize is you know especially with the naps you know one of one of your naps might have become quite a battle and it's actually not enjoyable for anybody but then when you realize that that's a developmental thing and they need to drop that nap you then have a lot more happy time with your baby again. Just as a kind of aside, how do you know when baby's going to drop that nap? So there'll be little signs like, um, you know, as I've just said, the uh, settling for that nap will become a little bit more frustrating for both parties. You know, baby won't settle as easily. The longer nap of the day might become drastically shorter because they've had too much sleep in the first nap bedtimes might become a little bit unsettling so all the sort of smooth transitions that you've had you might just start to see little niggles in them all and actually when you cut the nap out the shorter nap that they're ready to drop when you cut that out everything just settles again most of the time that long nap or the big nap is around lunchtime yeah for most people they do prefer that and especially you know if your child is going to be in a nursery generally the nursery would have the longer nap after lunch but it isn't set in stone I have had three children and all of my three children decided to have a long nap in the morning so you know I was in a position where I could be led by them in that respect but you can certainly engineer things to make it work for you all well and good to talk about setting up a routine and what ideally you want to fit into it but 
And this question is one I absolutely asked you, I think, when mine were we. How the hell do you keep it? So that's the fourth thing. How do you keep a routine? Right, Sarah, I feel like you're going to drop a consistency right about now. (laughs) And I know how important it is, but babies don't always get the memo. So how do you keep a routine together? You're absolutely right, Kat. Consistency is my favourite word. And, you know, that that really is key. But, you you know, you, you can't always have good days and you do have to relax about the bad days, which is really difficult at times. But if there is things that you want and you know that your baby needs them every day, then you have to make sure that you are providing the best environment for that baby to get those things. So, you know, we're not saying to be tied at home, but if you are out and about over a nap time, then make sure that you provide somewhere that baby can nap while you're out and about. So although you're not being consistent within your setting, you're still being consistent with what you can provide for baby. So, you know, you're not gonna miss an entire nap in the first few weeks and months you know baby wouldn't actually cope if they didn't have the opportunity to nap at all sure it might be a 15 20 minute nap instead of a 40 minute nap but they've had the opportunity to recharge their batteries and that's really important it can be a bit of a Um, small effect if if baby doesn't get the sleep that they need because they just then get more and more overtired then they struggle to feed and then they uh, struggle to sleep because they're overtired. Definitely. You know, if you missed a couple of feeds or if you miss a nap, um, especially in those sort of first four months, then they are going to need to make that up somewhere else. So you are going to end up doing an extra feed overnight. Or you might end up with a super overtired baby who just won't go to bed. So then it does have a real knock-on effect. But you will have off days. You will have days where you do have an overtired baby. You will have situations where you know, you've got stuck in a traffic jam on the motorway and you just can't pull over and do a quick side of the road feed. So, you know, consistency is key, but babies don't always, and life doesn't always allow for that. You know, one one of the things that I probably bored you as well by saying on repeat was about the three to five day rule. And again, that is really important. You know, if you want to change a habit, it will take three to five days to change it in the same way that if you don't do something for three to five days, then you've lost that as well. So within your flexibility, try and bear that in mind. So if you are going to go out for dinner, then do it once. Don't do it three nights in a row because then you have lost the hard work of routine that you've set up. So just by keeping that in mind that there is a three to five day rule about making changes will help you see how flexible you can be within a routine. And that three to five day rule is about being really consistent within those days. You know, if, if, a, if a nap has gone out of whack and you want, you'd like to encourage baby to go back to having a longer sleep in the day because you know that it makes your afternoon more fun, they're less grumpy and then it makes bedtime better. You do need to be consistent about that for that three to five days. Yeah, you do. And the thing is, when you know that you want to make a big change like that, you'll see very quickly how important it is to knuckle down for that period of time. And when you start to see the progress, it becomes easier the next time that you maybe have to do it and make a change. I mean, parenting is obviously exhausting, really, really exhausting. That's why we're here. And sometimes the path of least resistance just seems easier. So baby doesn't, you think baby doesn't really seem to like napping at this time, so I won't bother. But actually, 
it can make such an impact on your your day and you have to kind of sometimes you have to work to get the outcome that you want and it requires patience and you don't always see immediate results as we say it could be three to five days sometimes some babies depends how stubborn they are might be even longer yep definitely they're not all going to do things at the same time I mentioned right at the start that some people get the heebie-jeebies when you mention routine and many parents will say they've tried it and it just didn't work for them. However, we believe that's because a lot of sleep books and online advice forums and things tend to forget that one size of routine is not going to fit all. So that's our final thing, how to hack a routine. So Sarah, firstly, why do parents feel like routines don't work? And secondly, how do you hack a routine? The reason that most parents feel like routines aren't working is because they're not being consistent. That's the key thing again, you know. A routine doesn't come overnight. And like like we've said earlier, you know, you do need your start point and your end point and then things are going to fit in in the middle of it. But for a lot of people, when they read a book and they read, you know, okay, so baby should be having a nap at 9.15 while I sit down and put my feet up. That not our isn't going to happen. Way. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not our book. But that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen as specifically as that. You can't put such specific timings on things. And so, you know, when it doesn't happen on day one, that's it. Parents throw in the towel and just say, okay, well, it hasn't worked. I'm not going to do it again because, you know, that was a nightmare and I felt overwhelmed by it. And I think a lot of those standardized routines often don't take into account different people's working patterns, different children, you know, different um, circumstances. Absolutely. You know, one of the first questions that I ask any client is, what are the things in their days or weeks that they can't change? Because really, you know, if you're not working with what you're already doing, then the routine that you follow isn't going to work for anybody. So a routine telling you that you've got to, be sitting down for breakfast at 7.30, if actually you need to be at work for 7.30, then it's not working. Yeah, totally. So if those are your circumstances, how do you hack a routine? You have to work out the start time and end time that works for you and your family. So that's the first thing, you know, we can't tell you what time to get up in the morning. You have to look at your 24 hours, your commitments and find your own set time to start and finish once you've got that then within those hours you've got a little bit of flexibility with the half an hour rule so you know babies do a nap say around about 9 30 but actually at nine o'clock you're looking at your baby thinking well they're all the sleep signs you know this baby looks really tired this is what I would normally see in half an hour's time that's fine put them down early it's not strict and set, so you can go half an hour earlier, half an hour later. And if you work within that sort of half hour either side of things, you're always going to stay on track for your bedtime. So no matter what has happened since the start of your day, as long as you're not letting it go over the half an hour either side, you will still finish your day at the set time that you've decided. I sort of feel like that's a bit of a like level up. But that's me speaking personally, because I was a bit of a routine queen. And so at the beginning, almost for my own sanity, I needed to be like, no, baby is going down for a sleep at this time. And then hopefully they'll sleep until this time. And then we're going to have a feed at this time. And then it was only once I felt so super comfortable with that, that I was able to be a bit more like, yeah, I'm cool. I'm a relaxed parent. No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I actually think, um, did, did we not have a day where I came over to yours and we made you? Yeah, you made me do more flexible <laughs> within your routine. <laughs> That's, that's what we're saying. It's okay. You know, it's okay if you like love a routine and you want the security of it. And it's okay if what works best for you is to be a wee bit more flexible with that. You know, there, there doesn't need to be one size fits all. It's just that you're trying to ensure that you fit in the needs of the baby within that, you know, 12 hour period of daytime. And then obviously overnight, it's feeding on demand until hopefully that decreases to sleeping on demand all night <laughs> yeah I, I think as well you know with the sort of routine hacking there are going to be things that you need to change for reasons like you know baby's got a doctor's appointment and it falls at you know 11 o'clock in the morning which is normally when you would be feeding you can totally change things by you know not necessarily changing the timings but get yourself organized a little bit earlier and drive to the doctor's appointment it doesn't matter if you're there sitting outside feeding for 20 minutes before the appointment so it's, it's not necessarily changing things for the baby but actually changing things for you as well and I think it's really important to feel comfortable in doing that and and hopefully you know that's definitely one of the things that Sarah and I aspire to is to give you the confidence to to be able to hack our routines and to not be a big scaredy cat like me. (laughs) Each week we'll put one of your questions to Sarah and this week it's Laura that has a question about routines. Hi Kat and Sarah, my little girl is coming up for six months old. Is there a way of getting her into a routine whereby you could put her down and then for her to drift herself off to sleep? Or is actually that okay at this kind of stage in her wee life? Thank you. I think this just goes exactly what we've been talking about, this kind of mythical idea of putting a baby to bed that's awake. And and I totally hear that in Laura's question. It's like, you've heard this, you know it should kind of be possible, but it feels really really hard to do so it is that key thing you know have your clear routine that includes everything that you need and then be consistent with the approach and make sure that whether it's you dad granny auntie uncle that's doing it you're all doing the same thing so no one's going to hold her for an extended period of time once she is in her sleeping bag once you've got the room set up she goes into her cot awake and then she gets herself to sleep so it's not necessarily a drift but it will be harsh self-settling. So it's kind of getting that balance of how do you put a baby to bed that's awake without it being kind of traumatic for them or for the parents. And I know you're saying be consistent, but I think sometimes it's part of it is probably having that belief that it will work because uh-huh. there's always that period of time where you think this is not working, this is horrible. Yep, totally. So you have to be confident. And that's something that I say to people a lot. You know, if you feel like you're going to put that baby to bed and you're going to feel anxious about their reaction, then you're already starting on the back foot. You know, you need to be confident in what you're doing, which I get is super hard because all that you're going on is I'm telling you that you've got to be confident and that is going to work. And you don't always believe the person that's telling you that. But in this situation, the more confident you are, the more quickly this is going to work 
and having the very tight bedtime routine is key so you know you've got your you've got all your key things in there and once you've carried those out and being confident and being consistent and you know you you will know yourself that because you're following a schedule you'll know that your baby's ready to go to bed you'll know that they're tired and so you won't have that conflict once she goes into her cot you won't be thinking oh is she tired is she ready for sleep actually you will be putting her, her in her cot and saying you are ready for sleep, you are going to sleep. And that's when you can walk away confidently. Thanks so much to Laura for getting in touch. We hope that helps. And if you have a question you want to ask us, we will try and fit it into one of our future podcasts. Give us a shout online. The key to having a good routine is keeping it simple and keeping it the same. If you always have lunch at 12 o'clock, your tummy will almost without fail start rumbling around 12 o'clock. Humans are creatures of habits and babies are, of course, just tiny little cute, pukey humans. As ever, we hope this helped. Such a big part of what we do is letting you know that you're not alone in the 3am club and we want other parents to feel the same. So if you could spread the word, that would be amazing. Tell your friends at the baby group, share our podcast on your socials or write us a lovely review. This is, of course, a community of kindness, one where we want all parents and caregivers to feel properly supported. So thanks, as always, for listening and sleep soon.